Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros World Series preview. That sentence always sounds fun to say. It's Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr. And joining in for the fun is our West Coast correspondent and OG host, R.G. Seal. And also on the line is prolific baseball author and historian, not to mention longtime Astros broadcaster, Greg Lucas. And Greg, I should remind everybody that you were on the broadcast crew those first couple of years of Altuve's career. Go ahead and play for us that famous recording where you predicted his Hall of Fame ascendancy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just did a, a, a post that's on Facebook. It, it has to do with both Altuve and Pudge Rodriguez because I was around when uh, both of them broke in. I remember what the predictions were, and I'll never forget the predictions. The predictions were he was going to come up, up here. They, you know, he's a really good minor league hitter. Did 389. He was hitting 389 up to the point they brought him up uh, uh, that year. And he'd been a 300 hitter in all but one of his minor league years. But the predictions were that he's a guy that's probably going to hit maybe 280, maybe hit eight or nine or ten home runs, and but he would steal some bases. And uh, as it turned out, the only year that he was really in that range was really his first year. Uh, when he hit 273 or six, I think it was, and then the next year he hit 290, and then he never really looked back. But yeah, we didn't. We no no way did we predict that he would hit with this much power. And of course, with the power and the and the leg injuries, uh, ended the stealing bases part. But boy, he's been quite a player. And to think that at one time Jose Altuve was turned away by the Astros twice in Venezuela. He kept coming back, kept coming back. Al Padrique, of course, is the one who vouched for him and. Gave him a, a fifteen thousand dollars signing bonus. That's all he got. <laughs> so well, because pretty- they only pro- they projected him as a minor, a career minor leaguer, maybe a triple or double A guy. You know, they have to uh, until they cut the forty two teams in Major League Baseball is talking about dropping in the uh, in the uh, minor leagues. They have to have players on those teams, and uh, that's really what they projected him as at, at that point. But his determination, I think, got him the money, and maybe his dad's determination because Padrique had seen him play. Uh, even when he was uh, underage, and he thought he was somebody to watch. And Perdurke was not there uh, the first day of those tryouts, but he was going to be there the next day. And so even though uh, even though Jose was told to go home and not come back, uh, his father said, no, you go back. Al Padrique is going to be there. And that, that turned out to be the difference. Steven and I tried to contextualize game six and maybe rank it in Astros playoff game history, Greg. And when you look at the best Astros playoff games of all time. It, it's a hell of a list. We might put it behind game five of the Dodgers World Series and game six of the Mets and LCS. I mean, that's that's kind of where I would place it. Where do, you, where do you and RG put this one on edge of your seat, start to finish excitement for an Astros playoff game? You left out two. I think two, five, and of course last night were the the ones that I thought were the greatest. But I uh, I have to rank it. Maybe number one, only because there were chances, so many chances for both teams throughout the game to get one hit that would either change the lead or break it, break it open. And so you're sitting there every half inning, and, you, and plus the fact that you knew they were going to be changing pitchers all the time, and you're just waiting for the one to come in that doesn't have it. Uh, as it turned out, it was really the Yankees' first guy and their last guy. Uh, but uh, the uh, the Astros bullpen, uh, uh, AJ, I thought did a, a marvelous thing because any time the uh, guy that he brought in walked somebody or started falling behind counts, he was going to be relieved because that's that's usually a bad sign, and he was going to be relieved. Now the danger is, what about the next guy? Well, the next guy never stayed in long enough to get himself in serious uh, trouble, and the guy that followed him always was able to get the big out. So I, from an excitement and a keeping you on the edge of your seat game, I don't think this one could be uh, could be beaten. I would m- maybe say the World Series Game 5, just because of all the, 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 the offense and uh, Alex Bregman coming up with the key hit there, put the Astros up 3-2. to two. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to argue with this one, like what Greg was saying, too, because of the stakes in the game. Remember, DJ LeMahieu hits the home run in the night, ties the game. I mean, if the Astros don't want to go to extra innings, they have to have a walk-off hit. Ends up being a walk-off home run. Only the second time the Yankees in their history walk-off home run. Bill Mazeroski, the other, to end a series. Clinch an AL pennant, just the stakes right there. I don't see how you can even consider 1986 when the Astros lost that game as one of the greatest. And I, I mean, I guess you could put it up there as for one of the greatest games in history. But this far, uh, 
supersedes it as far as from an Astros perspective because they want to pin it off of it. And also the Chris Burke, we didn't mention that one, but that was that 18 inning affair. Of course, when Roger Clemens comes in and pitches in that game too, and then they're able to get the the home run. That's a again, that's that turned out to be a series clincher where you advance the next round. Not quite the same thing as winning a pennant, but it did get them to the NLCS and eventually to the World Series. Uh, for importance, uh, I think you have to factor that in, and that's why this one I ranked it very high because of the importance. You either you know now they had an extra game. They you know if they needed it, they had Grinky. But what this did was not only won the pennant, but it allows them to go into the World Series with Grinky, Verlander. I mean, with uh, uh, I, I said they had Grinky. They had the big guy. They had Cole. Uh, but this allows them to go into the World Series with Cole, Verlander, Grinky in order, normal rest, and uh, that that made it doubly important. I think that it happened when it did. So yeah, it was a thriller. Uh, some of those other games we have mentioned had more big hits. And there were lead changes and momentum shifts. And this one didn't have any of those because nobody did anything. But the end result made it, uh, made it a great one. Certainly one of the top five, and certainly every one of these we've mentioned are in the top five. Yeah, I didn't say RG was my favorite game, game six of the Mets NLCS, but uh, <laughs> I was just ranking them in uh, in order of like great ball games. And, you know, you can also throw in another one we brought up was, uh, and, and Greg will remember this one real well too, game five in 1980, Astros and Phillies. Oh, sure. I mean, but the, the problem was in those, they, the wrong ending uh, yeah. in most of yeah. those games. Yeah, that's what I had uh, said too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, good news, I saw that Garrett Cole... Um, well, not good news. This is not good news, but he, he did ask AJ Hinch to pitch two separate times during game six, which I, I thought was pretty funny, but I, I was going to say good news on Ryan Presley's knee because he got it checked out and he said it was just some scar tissue that they think broke off. He said it was more scary than anything, but guys, you got to like this. He said he's going to be ready for the world series. I thought that might be, be the end of his season, but that that's good. Well, the fact that he's healthy makes a difference. And, you know, it's more important that he's healthy. He's most important. But secondly, his last two outings were very good because the, the previous one wasn't very good at all. He was getting hit after hit after hit. Stood to reason that it might take him a little bit of time to gain his control back and, and have command of all of his stuff. And it, whether or not he does or not, uh, it has looked like he has because he's, he's made the big plays the last two times out. Well, what, and by it, the way, is, I, I want to give Osuna. I want to give Osuna a little breathing room here too. You know, everyone's jumping all over him. Well, that's a great hitter he was facing, and that great hitter had run. The, he'd seen everything he had, and even so, uh, the home run was not exactly crushed. Uh, so, good hitters win some of those battles. Good hitters take on Chapman and win games with home runs. I mean. Good hitters do win sometime. And here's the other point. After that home run, what did Osuna do? Did he blow up? Was he gone? No, he got the next two outs, innings over. So I think lay off of him and, and give the good hitter a little bit of credit. Well, now that, that's a good point. The, the last point you just made is that it, typically when Osuna has blown a save or, or blown an opportunity, it, it, what was it in that Milwaukee game? And he just totally, he just totally fell apart after he blew it and even made an error in that game. He didn't do that in this game. So that is a good point that, you know, sometimes the great hitters do great things. How do you think the Yankees feel about El Tuve and what he did to their best? Well, that's what I mean. Well, that's yeah, that's the so. point. That's the point. And, and the argument was, why did he throw him a slider? Well, he threw him a slider because he couldn't throw the fastball within four feet of the strike zone, if you remember. That's right. he, that's the right. first two pitches were fastballs, and they weren't even close. Then he threw him a slider that was right there. It was right, it was right down the middle, actually. It wasn't really well located, but it was a strike. So he throws him another one that actually is a little bit higher. He just clubbed it but these are you know this is a great hitter mayhew is a great hitter uh these guys uh win sometimes and uh and pitchers don't always win i say that uh uh i still like my chances with osuna in the ninth inning and a two two or three run lead uh better than anybody else on the staff and so uh you gotta you know you gotta win or lose with who brung you and those are the guys and he did lead the american league in saves I want to get back to Presley for a moment, though. I, I, it is good news that the knee is not serious and that he will be available. But I am concerned just of the effects of, of what happened. I mean, the, the way he reacted, you thought he was in a lot of pain. And I'm just hoping that the effects of whatever happened in that game with the, the scar tissue issue isn't going to 
affect him moving forward as far as his effectiveness, his confidence? Because, you know, when he came back from the injury, he, as you said, it did take him a little time to get acclimated, yes. get his control back. So I, I am glad, though, because, we, you know, all hands on deck, you're going to need everybody in the World Series. If they can go, they're going to go. Yes, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, the skipper uses him because he could be the se- the seventh inning guy, and then the eighth inning guy will go to the guy who's been the top uh, bullpen guy pretty much all year, but under under seen, uh, and then uh, and then of course Osuna, or it could be totally situational depending on who the hitters are, which of those guys pitches the seventh, which of them pitches the eighth. But I think uh, they're pretty much now interchangeable. Big thing is get the big pitchers to do their job, and uh, I think we're going to see a, a series. That it's going to be old-fashioned baseball in a way because we've got three starters for each team that are capable of going deep in games. And I, we won't see all this Mickey Mouse one inning and that's somebody else. And so uh, it'll be kind of refreshing to see that, I think. Yeah, I wanted to add the thing about Presley, too. A thing to be watch, of course, will always be his velocity because when he can get it up to 96, uh, 97, which, which he was doing there in his last couple of appearances, that that's something, you know, rather than 93, 94, because that's going to be he gets his push from his legs. And so that's going to he's able to have his control and his velocity. Uh, and he says he's good to go. I mean, hopefully that's going to be the case. So, and I agree with you, Greg. It's more kind of uh, they could have like where it is, Harris and Joe Smith and and Osuna. Those are kind of their late inning relievers. Is Presley thrown into that mix? It seems like AJ likes to have him to where maybe earlier in the game. Let's say there's a Rondon or Soto's coming up. You know, just have that kind of situation. But there's men on base you know, put the fire out there, could be situational in the World Series as well, like what he did against the Yankees. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, we talk about velocity, but the other thing that I watch when I watch pitchers is command. And that means command of the count as much as anything. If they're jumping ahead, the hitter is at a definite disadvantage, but they can lose that advantage, meaning the pitcher, if they now decide they've got two fastball strikes and they're going to throw them a slider and the slider isn't even close. And then he throws him another when it ain't even close. All of a sudden now, the pitcher doesn't have to worry about the slider anymore. I mean, that's what these guys are looking for. That Remember the Brad Lidge years. Brad, when he was getting his slider and his fastball both over the plate or close enough it had to be swung at, nobody touched him. But he right. had so many games in which one or the other wasn't even close, and all they had to do was sit on the other one, and he got killed. And that's pretty much the case with all pitchers. Yeah, I mean, that was like in the Yankee series, first game one with uh, Masahiro Tanaka. The guy was able to locate. What would he do? Throw first pitch strikes. I mean, and then you were already back. You were 0-1, 0-2, 1-2 as Astros hitters, and he was able to carve them up. Didn't have to have necessarily the, the fastest velocity because he's not that type of pitcher. And that's going to be interesting, like, with the Astros, I think, coming into this series against the, like like you said, Greg, with the, the Mickey Mouse, they don't have to go through what they face with Tampa and two innings here, you know, eight pitchers a game. And the same thing with the Yankees where they weren't expecting their starters to go deep, get into the bullpen. This is going to be old-fashioned baseball. This is going to be a throwback to the 1980s. This is getting to the Back to the Future DeLorean, go back in time, the 1980s where, you know, starting pitchers ruled. But it's going to be key because with the Astros, one of the big things that they did this past year they were able to prolong counts. They were able to go deep into at-bats against pitchers, knock them out by the fifth, sixth, seventh inning because if they get up to 100, 110 pitches. And that's going to be key with the Washington Nationals because of their bullpen. Still question marks there. I know it's improved in the postseason, but if you look at what Martinez, the the manager of the Washington Nationals, he didn't go to his bullpen except for Hudson and Doolittle pretty much. And even then he was using Scherzer and Corbin and guys like that in the bullpen, his starters. So, I mean, it's going to be really important. The Astros are finally going to get a look where they get, you know, three or four at-bats against the same pitcher. And, and we saw with Jordan Alvarez when he was facing a different pitcher every single time up. That's two things that I want to comment on. Number one is you're right. And number two, because the Washington bullpen, though they've had a couple guys at the at the back end that have done pretty well, you have to go much farther into their bullpen. It's not that even isn't nearly as close as as close to being uh, powerful or scary or successful or dangerous as the Astros. The Astros have a much deeper pen, uh, for sure. The Alvarez thing is really sad because every time he came to the plate, they used the same pattern on him. He could not, he absolutely could not hit a fastball. He could not catch up to a fastball. He could foul some of them, 
but he could not catch up to especially a high fastball. He would take first pitch fastballs that were actually in the right zone where he should be able to hit them, but he wouldn't swing. Then he wouldn't see another one there. And if it was a left-hander, he would be behind the count 0 and 2 every at bat and then here comes the slider but he and he knew he had to know it was coming but he has no way of hitting it and it happened every game the scouting report on him I, I, I wrote this once. I said, your, your great-grandma, after seeing him bat a few times, would know where to pitch him. And that is very troubling because, uh, you know, he has got to be far better than he was up to this point, and, oh, certainly than he was in the ALCS. He actually had a decent average in the division series. He didn't hit with any power, but he had some hits. Uh, but in the ALDS, uh, the Yankees just had his number. Now, having said that, um, I, I think there there could be a shot that against the left-hander, he might not be the DH, uh, just to give him a, a break. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that turns out, because the Astros really don't have too many options to be DHs. I mean, they have guys that can play the can do it but as far as being guys who you really think are going to do much with it no uh, that's where they need tyler white no i'm just joking there uh but uh, <laughs> yeah bring tyler hey, what, white what back, about right? that you guys do you do, do you do, do you do that do you do you lift do you take uh jordan alvarez who i mean he had a terrible uh alcs out uh, i mean but he also had good ALDS too. What what do you do there? I mean, I love if, if, yes, if 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 okay, here's an here's an example. Uh, batting average wise, Guriel was awful. Yes. But Guriel was hitting a lot right. of balls pretty well that were not you know not being he hit. Didn't strike out any. Yeah, he didn't strike out. No, and yeah, and yes. Alvarez. In fact, I noticed one time they both were 150 or oh, one for fifth or. Oh five oh, that was their batting average in the series. That was actually going into the final game, and then Guriel, it's a home run. But Guriel had been making a lot of hard outs uh, during this whole series. Alvarez hadn't been making hard outs ever, uh, and, uh, and a lot of strikeouts. So it's it's a puzzle. You don't want to knock the kid down, but at the same token, and maybe they won't because with up to three games in Washington, there won't be a DH, and so they automatically have an opportunity not to play him. Uh, maybe just the first two games, you put Alvarez in there, see if he's had any carryover effect from, from the ALCS. Because remember, he actually had some key hits in the ALDS against the Tampa Rays, so it's not too long ago. It's not people say, oh, he didn't, he didn't perform during the postseason. Well, he wasn't able to perform in the postseason in the ALCS, but he did have some success in his at-bats against Tampa, and he was seeing multiple different pitchers and again, you know, maybe it, with the time off here, a couple of days go, he, it's a mechanical issue with him. He can get back in the plate, get some confidence again. I think you have to play him the first couple of games. And like you said, Greg, then you have the three days off in Washington that, you know, we talked about during the season. Okay, there's a possibility he'll play somewhere in the field. Where can Jordan play? No, you don't have to worry about that now. His ALCS can't uh, right. end that. Of course, they didn't work him out anywhere either, as far as I know. So they weren't going to yeah. do it anyway. But uh, if he'd gone crazy they would have had to think about it but sure. i just i'll tell you what it's not the no hits it's not even necessarily the strikeouts it's the fact that the if i could throw a ball hard i could strike him out because he just can't their pitches he simply can't hit and he didn't hit them when he was hitting well he wasn't getting as many up there he does not hit the fastball if it's more than 95 miles an hour okay a lot of guys don't but he doesn't hit the fastball if it's up He'll keep swinging at it. He won't hit it, and then he 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 won't hit the off speed even with right-handers. If it's an off-speed pitch and he's got two strikes, he's not seeing the ball. He's not his his hand-eye coordination. Your hand-eye coordination is far more important than whether you're dipping your back shoulder, as they were talking about before. No, it's all with your hands and wrists and your eyes. You can not even move your body, and if you've got hand-eye coordination, you can still make contact with the baseball. I just want to see him. Sometime when one of those guys throws him one of those breaking balls away, he reaches out and hits it to right or left field. I, boy, if I see that, I'll jump off my chair and I say, he's got it. He's got it. He's figured it out. But I've seen game after game after game that he hadn't figured it out, and he's come up in uh, some pretty important positions. But I agree with you. I, I'd be very surprised if he's not in the starting lineup uh, tomorrow and uh, in game two. And then uh, three, four, and five, if they have five, uh, they won't have to worry about it because he, he'd just be a pinch hitter. But the scouting report's out. If, if those pitchers can make those same pitches that the Yankee guys were making. Yeah, uh, Greg, I, I just want to jump in here because, first of all, I agree with a lot of the stuff that you said. He, he's not seeing the ball. He hasn't been seeing the ball. It's not just the playoffs. He hasn't been seeing the ball 
all through September. I, I could honestly see some slippage even in August. And I, I guess one of the things that is frustrating to me and I don't understand is, yeah, I, I see what you're saying where he's not seeing the ball. I, I honestly would like to take him to an eye doctor because maybe something has happened to his eyes in the last couple of months. But the but the thing about you know him not hitting the ball, he he's fouled off a lot of pitches. That's because he can't hit him. He cannot hit the fastball. That's the point. His bat is too slow to hit the high fastball, and that's something that it has to be. That he has to. That's why he's fouling them off. He can't hit him. Yeah, but the but 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 my point is is that is that a, maybe because he's not getting to the pitches quickly because his swing has gotten too long? Because that seems like it could be a problem, too. That's possible. It could be the cause. But the fact is, the bottom line is, you throw him a fastball, a high fastball, he won't hit it. Let me put it this way. If the Astros had had a pitcher in the batting order during the ALCS, they would have probably gotten more production just with his occasional sacrifice bunt. And certainly if the pitcher was Grinky, even some hits. <laughs> Oh, then they got out of Alvarez. Did they get to use Granky in an NL park by setting up the rotation this way with Colin Verlander in the first two games? So there, there's a plus. Well, yeah, they, he's going to definitely get a uh, going to get a game in which he swings the bat. That's right. Exactly. That gives the Astros an advantage in Game Three. Yeah. What I think it is for Alvarez, to me, it's a combination of confidence and swing mechanics. I, I mean, he's he's not only not is is he not swinging at good pitches, he's letting good pitches go by he's swinging at bad pitches and letting good pitches go by is what i'm trying well, to say he's getting himself with two straight he's getting himself oh and two every that's every the other thing bat. i was every gonna at say bat. yeah every at bat he is already behind two strikes and he obviously shows that you know once that happens it's almost an automatic strikeout i think he struck out like 17 times in 41 at bats during the postseason that is a lot so there are some major issues going on with him and i i what and, i see and, happening and let though, me see this any hitter who is always 0-2 is not going to hit very well. But um, in his case, he, 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 just, he, he just looks like he's the candy in the, in the hands of the pitchers that uh, make those pitches. So, uh, you know, we saw enough of his good stuff for his first three months, or you know, that he was up to know that it's possible. But he, it's called making adjustments and, and beating the book because the, the book wasn't out on him uh, for the first few weeks as to how to pitch to him. And uh, I don't, I don't see batting practice. Obviously, I'm not there, so I don't know what he's doing in batting practice. I hope he's just not sitting up there and trying to hit 500 foot home runs in batting practice because that's not doing a damn bit of good. I hope he's trying to actually concentrate on seeing the ball and hitting it the other way. And when the pitch comes in high in the strike zone, that he actually gets his hands up so he can get to it. I hope he's doing all those things, and I'll. I will assume that the coaches are having him try to do that, but I haven't seen it. And so uh, all I can tell you is the results that we see in the games. And right now, every time he comes up, remember, he was must-see TV. But now he's – it's like, maybe this time, maybe this time. Well, next time. Well, that's the sadness. That's the sadness. Yeah. I still think, yeah, you said he has been must-see TV, you know. So, I mean, maybe he's just been on hiatus. It's been, the you know, the break here. So, and we can get back to must-see TV in the World Series. But I, I think with uh, what Robbie was saying, I, I you know, as, as far as for – just as approaching the bats, what Jordan Alvarez has had is he's had great eyes, great plate discipline. He doesn't chase, he doesn't do things that normal young hitters his age is coming up to the uh, big leagues do. And he was making those mistakes in the ALCS. And the other thing yeah, is, yeah, he, I mean, you, you, you do have to make adjustments. You Like Gleyber Torres, a perfect example. I mean, you know, he's a guy that always come up first, you know, a couple of pitches. If he gets two strikes in the count, he's changing his approach. He'd go for, you know, opposite field, you know, look for ways to get, you know, get on base. You know, that's the that's the thing about it. You have to make adjustments as a hitter. And it's very, very rare that these young hitters are like Gleyber Torres, Juan Soto, what you're seeing with Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez has to get to that point where, yeah, if he's behind in the count, he's 0-2-1-2. He's not going to get very much to hit there, and he's going to have to learn to go the opposite way. Like you said, Greg, you'll be jumping out of your seat if he goes to left field. Hey, RG, if only we knew this uh, ex-Astro. Can you think of an ex-Astro that we know that could help a Cuban baseball player turn his uh, swing around and his season around? Is there anybody that comes to mind that could that, that Oh, could he's help? working with the Yankees right now. Is that who you're talking about? Like with the- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's not working with the Yankees right now. That's over with. 
<laughs> well, he's probably still drawing a check, but yeah, he's going to be working with somebody else, maybe as a manager. I think, uh, from what I hear, that the Mets, perhaps he or, or he or Girardi are the top candidates for the Mets job, from what I've heard. But yeah, he he, I mean, he volunteered some information during the season, so uh, why not now to a different player? <laughs> hey, they're, they're the and, AL and the Yankees, now. Hey, even if he is still working for the Yankees, uh, the Yankees are done. It doesn't matter. It won't hurt. <laughs> and they also said, hey, Aaron Judge and Brett Gardner and some of the other guys, they said, go represent represent the AL well. You know, you're you're our AL representative now. Go win the that's World right. Series. That's right. That's, that's the theory. Just, yeah, get, uh, some, get some Beltran to start talking. Hey, what do you guys think about some of the, the matchups that are, are going to be here, like the Astros lineup versus the Nats lineup? I'm actually pretty intrigued by it. I, I was thinking about that earlier. I mean, you have Alex Bregman and Anthony Rendon at third base. You have Howie Kendrick and Jose Altuve at second base. You have Trey Turner, Carlos Correa at shortstop. You know, then you've got the outfield with Brantley and Springer and most likely Reddick and Wright. You've got uh, Adam Eaton, Victor Robles, and of course Juan Soto, you know, in the outfield position. It, it's a very intriguing matchup. And then, of course, the pitching, you know, you, you have Scherzer and Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, uh, Annabelle Sanchez. I mean, boy, that that's a really interesting combination there for the Nationals. And then, of course, the Astros with Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, one and two, and then Grinky. And then you have the bullpen game. So that, the pitching is really going to be interesting. But I, I just think this series is going to be closer than a lot of people think just because of a lot of those matchups. Well, I think it's going to be closer because if if the the Nats can continue what they were doing in the uh, NLCS, which is exactly what the Red Sox did to the Astros last year in the uh, American League playoffs, hitting getting RBIs hits with two outs. That's they were amazing uh, against the, in the last series against the Cardinals. They they uh, two outs are guys on base. They got the hit, and as you recall, that's exactly what happened with the Red Sox against the Astros last year, and the Astros, on the other hand, were not, not getting it done. They really aren't getting it done much now, but fortunately they've had a few big hits that turned out to be three-run homers in those circumstances. But uh, that's that's where uh, I, I fear the, the the Nationals the most, is that they're really on a roll in, uh, in coming through in the clutch, and uh, the Astros have to make sure that just doesn't continue. The Yankees obviously didn't do it very well and that's why the Astros won yeah Greg speaking of that the numbers uh, with runners in scoring position in the LCS the Astros hit 121 the Nationals hit 393 now if we're if we're going by law of averages that could easily flip in the World Series but are we sure about that because it was a Achilles heel for the Astros in the division series too Astros are hard to judge because these last two series they've played and you guys mentioned it a little bit earlier they've gone against this whole staff almost every day and that's not uh, that's not how the whole season is played. And number one, and number two, both of these guys, both these teams they played, the, uh, the Rays and the Yankees, had really good whole staffs. Now neither one of them were very deep in ace type starters, but whole staffs they were both very good. And uh, that won't be the case with Washington. Now the Washington figures, oh, we don't need it. Our starters are going to be so good, and they may be right. But it's not going to be the case, and so the key with the Astros probably is to keep games close at the very least against these top starters and then figure that even the top starters, they're not going to let them go too deep because it's a best-of-seven series and then really nail the bullpen. If you have to come back, come back. But I, I think it'll be interesting, but I also think it's going to be so much better because it's going to be more like real baseball is played during the regular season where you got starters and uh, they figure they're going to go, unless they're awful, they're going to go five or six innings at least before you get into this pitching change stuff. So that that that's one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to in the series. But I'm not looking forward to the Nats if they continue this uh, ability to come up with the clutch hits with two outs. That would be scary. Yeah, I think it's still going to be just get to the Nats bullpen because even if, look, even if uh, Scherzer or Strasburg, I mean, we expect them to to be excellent. They've been excellent, just like uh, we uh, expect Garrett Cole and, and Justin Berlin with their game to be be excellent. So if the games are going to be close, you just want to be able to, that, that was the Astro strategy throughout the season. You want to be able to knock these pitchers out by the sixth or seventh inning, get to their bullpen, because Washington's going to have to find some inning. You know, maybe they'll they'll bring in one of their starters again, in, you know, from, from the, in, into the pen. But other than Daniel Hudson and Doolittle, and, you know, I mean, they, uh, Rainey, 
they're they're you know really they don't you, you know Fernando Rodney's been getting some time, but that that's a guy that's been been hittable in the past. The Astros have seen him multiple times. He used to be in the American League, you know. So if you can get to their bullpen, I mean that's got to be the strategy there. And then also, I just think that the Astros don't everybody have this feeling they've really been in kind of a funk, you know, with their hitting. They really only had what was that one game where they. Their bats where they had a couple of three run home runs. And I mean that, you know, th- throughout the ALDS and ALCS and credit the pitching they were facing against the Rays and the Yankees, very unusual. But bats like Breg- Bregman didn't have a home run at all throughout the the ALCS. Uh, you know, it was basically Jose Altuve. And that's why, you know, basically the MVP of that series with the pennant clinching home run. You know, Michael Brantley ha- had a good series. But a lot of guys, like you were saying, Yuli Gurriel, until he had his moment there and in game six versus the Yankees, really struggled. Al- Jordan Alvarez really struggled. And you look even uh, at George Springer really struggling, except for a home run or two. They were big home runs. But again, like Carlos Correa struggled except for a couple of home runs. Again, like you can't really criticize him because his game winning home run in, in, in game two of the ALCS propelled the Astros, gave him the momentum, enabled them to be one, one going into the Bronx. So, I mean, that was a huge hit. So it's, it's about when you have these hits too, but overall they've been in kind of an offensive malaise. And so, I mean, a lot of people are still expecting the Astros. I mean, I know they're going up against great arms, but maybe seeing these guys, you know, Get, getting continual uh, plate appearances against the same pitcher. And then also, you know, again, with Washington not having a deep bullpen, get to that bullpen, you know, maybe they'll start having more success at the plate. Their bullpen is the worst uh, ERA in, in uh, the entire major leagues this year. So, yeah, if people don't know, that, that bullpen it was not good during the regular season. But it's been a lot better of late. Let's just say that. Because yeah, it's what you're doing for me now that does make a lot of difference in, in sports. Uh, but you're right. It hasn't been good. Now, let me interesting. One person I, I heard was asked about, uh, hey, you had spring training with the Nets. Uh, you guys play each other a bunch of times. You have, you know, that helped you a lot. And the answer was actually not much because in spring training, well, you know, how those games are played. <laughs> the main guys aren't going to play a lot. So how many times did a given guy get to see either of their top guys? Not much. Yeah, that's been uh, played. Yeah, yeah sure. that that's not much because in spring training you're 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 not playing uh, you're, you know you're you know the regulars don't play every day and they don't play more than maybe three or four or five innings and then the starting pitchers pitch two innings and so no we I don't think you, as the answer was it really is minimal if there's any advantage at all isn't that when Jeff Luno put the bug though uh, on on the uh, Nationals so that he's got to get all the secret information because we know how Jeff Luno is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, someone will probably accuse him of something like that. You never know. <laughs> let, let me ask you guys this, because Robinson Chirinos, you know, he's been Verlander's personal catching caddy, but considering Maldonado is now 4-0 and in this year's postseason starts, yeah, three of them were with Garrett Cole, but he's looked a tad more comfortable at the plate. Uh, he's looked a tad more comfortable um, behind home plate. He's also done an extraordinary job, I, th- I think, calling games beyond Garrett Cole because – that game six is one of the more underrated things, I thought, that Maldonado did a fantastic job with all these different pitchers. And, Greg, you talked about uh, Osuna in that last at-bat, uh, the home run at-bat, and, and uh, all the pitches that were fouled off. But I just noticed that he was shaking off Martin Maldonado a lot, and nobody else was shaking off Martin Maldonado, and they had a lot of success. So I, I kind of like the way Maldonado's catching right now. Uh, Astros have two really solid guys behind the plate. Uh, Chirinos is a little better hitter, as evidenced by the fact that he had 17 home runs this year and, and 230 something. But uh, uh, but no, they're both uh, they're both solid back there, and uh, I, I, you know they're not uh, you know not going to be all stars, but they're they're solid players, and I think the Astros are in pretty good shape there. And I, let me mention one other thing: we're talking about hitting so much. Having Carlos Correa play shortstop is the same as extra hits. The man's arm is as good as anybody that's ever played the position. He covers ground with his long reach. And believe me, uh, he can't be underestimated for what he does defensively, whether or not he's hitting particularly at a particular time or not. And we know he will hit. But uh, he is way better as a shortstop than Bregman is. And Bregman's not bad. Bregman is at least an average major league shortstop. But he's a better than average major league third baseman, and uh, you know he had to play it a lot this year. Uh, but Correa really makes a difference 
uh, defensively on this team. And uh, I think defense with the outfield, of course, we've all talked about that too. The outfield is defense is outstanding. Uh, uh, the, uh, the the defense in general on this team is just really good, and it, over the long season, it makes a difference. Hey, the the Astros beat the Yankees four games to two, but if the Yankees had been a little more steady or a little better defensively, and, and Judge is, but uh, the other positions, uh, who knows? It might have been a whole different deal. Defense wins games. Yeah, what do you guys think uh, as far as for the pitching matchups, too, we know uh, a, a thing that I'm curious about looking at this series, uh, what, what's going to happen potentially with the Astros? Because, I mean, we know with the game four kind of like, do you think they'll have to have a 3-0 lead to put in somebody like Urquidy at Peacock, what they did in game, game six of the ALCS? Because uh, right now it's lined up, of course, with Cole, uh, uh, Verlander and Granke. And then do you pitch, you come back on three days rest, pitch Cole, it depends on the situation? No, no, no. I don't think I don't do three, three days three rest on anybody no. unless okay. it's a desperation game seven uh, where, uh, you know, or, or you're, you're maybe you're at game six and you're down three games to, well, it's an elimination game. I might do it in an elimination game if it's going to be me eliminated, but short rest just doesn't work. You don't get the same pitcher. Now, short rest is okay if the intent is he's only going to pitch two innings. But uh, you're not going to get very much depth out of the guy. And it may say Verlander on his shirt or Cole on his shirt, but you're not getting Cole. You're getting a Pittsburgh Pirate version of Cole or maybe even earlier in his career. You're not going to be getting the same pitcher. So I don't go short rest. Hey, they survived the all, all – listen, game six, they had whole staff – and they only gave up two runs for most of the game, whole staff. And then one of their regular guys gave up the other two, their, their closer. So, no, I don't, I don't do that. I, but, but, I don't but come I, short, I, short rest. I guess the, I agree with you guys, but the counterpoint will be, well, what if the Astros are down two to one? Let's say, you know, they, they're in Washington. Washington has the momentum. Washington has game four at home, and you can start – Cole on three days rest. Don't you think A.J. Hinch and everybody, they've no, done this in the no. past. They'd be tempted for that. It's just not the same. The the game is just not the same. It, it's the the pitchers just are not geared for that anymore. Uh, golly, it happened. You know, Lou Burdett. I, when I was a kid, my biggest memory was Lou Burdett beating the Yankees three times in a seven game series. But they did that. They, first of all, they only pitched every they, three days rest was normal, and so they had guys in the World Series in those days that maybe only would work on two days rest. But they were right. they, they were right. geared to it. They were ready. These guys just are not. They aren't even geared to pitch nine innings on on four days rest. And so it's just a different era. And I don't think you don't get the same pitcher. Now, if you have to, again, uh, use it, get a guy for an inning or something uh, in a elimination or winning, you know, championship type game, that's different, but uh, starting them and, and expecting them to actually be who they are. Just, it doesn't worry. It won't work. And uh, I would not do it. I would not, you'd have to be in a desperate situation. I certainly wouldn't do it when you have an advantage. No. Uh, in uh, in a series. Well, the Astros have already done it this postseason advantage in a series, and they started Justin Verlander. And yeah, it didn't work, but he, you know, four, we, we got into the fourth inning, had the problems with the control and stuff there. But I'm just saying that it is going to be a possibility. It is going to be discussed because the Astros don't have that four starter that the Nationals have. And it's something that if they're down in the series, if they are down, again, if they're up 3-0 or they're up 2-1, it's a different story. So that's just kind of hypothetically here. Well, that's the interesting thing, because the Astros, really, when you stop and think about it, they only have three starters. Now, all season, they had to have five. Well, they had five. Uh, five wasn't always consistent, uh, but four was until September. And uh, and five was often the uh, the young guy, whoever the new, newest young guy was, was going to come up and pitch, and, and they'd skip him every so often. But, yeah, to be in the situation there are, and really they only do have three. Now, Urquidy is a starting pitcher, and they can start him, but they're not going to get him. You know, he's not – it's almost like a reliever starting because four or five innings is as much as he's going to go. And you just hope that during that period he doesn't give up very too many runs. In the postseason, you hardly will keep him in if they give up any runs because the games are so important they'll go to the next guy. And that's why – I think you want your starting pitchers, the three that you do have, you to be as as rested and as possible as 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 possible. I really do. I, I think that uh, you can have too much rest if you're well, like we saw with Grinky in his first outing when he was awful. 
uh, he'd had 11 days rest, and he's a control pitcher. Yeah, let me. Can I just say something about Arquiti though? I mean, I, I feel like everybody just kind of. It's kind of like, well, he's a rookie. Who cares? He can't. I mean, look, we've we've put we've seen many times in the postseason. You go with guys that are hot pitchers, and you know, and and one of the biggest situations and big innings in Game Six, Arquiti looked like he had a hell of a lot of composure early in the game. Early in that outing, he was throwing fastballs. And, and the Yankees were eating up his fastball, and then he learned to get away from the fastball. And I think he corrected that mistake. But, I mean, if you look at him in the postseason, yeah, it's only been four-plus innings because he's only been given a couple of chances. But he has a 2.08 ERA. When you look at his numbers in September, they were fantastic. And every time he started, I mean, it's just it's easy just to go, well, he's a rookie. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. And, he, and you know, he's got to apologize now for not throwing 100 miles an hour like everybody else. But... I've got some confidence in this kid, and he's shown a lot of composure to me. I do, too. In my mind, he should be number four. It should be number four. Now, if you want to have Peacock being ready to come in early, yep. okay. Sure. But I would – Arkady, to me, should be number four. I don't know whether they're worried about his mental outlook or the pressure being too great or whatever because they really just did it in reverse. They started Peacock, and then they brought it. But I uh, – you know – Urquidy and Peacock as a combination, if they're pitching as they can pitch, they should be able to get you deep enough uh, to uh, to get into your good bullpen. And and so I know I would uh, I would just make him number four. But I guess they they're, they're I don't know whether it's a mental thing they're trying to work on or what. But they, I thought he pitched well enough during the regular season, uh, and uh, that you're not and you're not going to use a number four very often anyway. Just. He's number four, but I guess they never called him number four because they, he was always going. He was going to be a long man uh, in this ser- last series. If in fact it got really bad early, he was going to be a long man. So they didn't want to necessarily make him number four and then have to change their mind. I, but uh, no, I well, I would put him. I would make him number four myself uh, based on what I've seen. Well, I think that partly what you said, Greg, there, it's like, I think it's like, it's Urquidy and uh, then Brad Peacock and whoever wants to like, does Brad Peacock begin the game? Does Urquidy begin the game? It's just because probably what the Astros are, did with him, they enabled him to go through Urquidy, the, to go through the lineup, you know, one time. You know, maybe that's three innings. You face the the minimum number of batters, or you know, and he did give. He was effective in that. I'm just not sure if the, in the postseason here, if they can, if they can get two innings from Brad Peacock or three innings from Brad Peacock and three innings from Urquidy in that game game four scenario that we're discussing, that'd be perfect. They want five to six innings, so however they get it. But I I think that probably because he's had you know only a certain number of ma- uh, major league starts. He started the year at Double A. He wasn't expected to be on the major league roster. I think they want to be able to, because the more that maybe you see the pitcher and you know how much baseball is these days, second time through the lineup, third time through the lineup. So if they are going to put him in, you know, face the nine, nine batters, 10 batters, and then second time around, yank him, put in somebody else, but be able to get between Peacock and Urquidy, the, that, that five innings. And then you go to your bullpen from there. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's what they want. And I think that, uh, uh, you, you know, that, that's, that's stuff that is uh, also statistically driven based on the history. And, and therefore when you start start to see something happen as an example, uh, the hooks were quick in the, the with these bullpen games. They were very quick with it, all, all the teams. And the reason was very simple. They knew that when this guy did this, that was a sign. And so out he was going to come because of history. When he starts not throwing strikes, when he starts missing with his slider consistently, he may still be throwing as hard as ever, but that's a sign. That's what happened to Peacock. Remember, he had that breezing first inning, and then all of a sudden he comes in, and and then all of a sudden now he's not uh, not he's falling behind hitters on the counts. So that's that's the killer, falling behind hitters on the count, and uh, and then having to come in, let, let's say with your breaking ball, and then the hitter knows he's now got to come in with a fastball, and a big league hitter uh, is going to attack a fastball, and if that fastball happens to be right down the middle, you're going to get killed. I think if you remember how bad the Verlander start was where he gave up the four runs in the first inning, and if you actually looked at the replay of every one of those three, the main three hits he gave up, the double and the two homers, every one of them was right down the middle of the plate. 
every one of them. In other words, the, he, they didn't have to hit great pitches. They were right down the middle of the plate. Verlander did not have his command, and he paid for it. And then, starting with inning two, he was Verlander again, hitting the corners, throwing the fastball here, commanding the count. But in the first inning, he he couldn't. And uh, the Yankees, you know, it cost him, cost the Astros because they were <laughs> running scored in the whole game. But um, so that's what they're looking for. Now, with a starting pitcher, established guy, he's going to stay in the game. But if you get a guy in there like uh, one of these bullpen guys and uh, he all of a sudden can't is not controlling the strike zone and he's, he's, he's given up a couple of hits, he's out of here. That's the way they got to play it now because they got to keep the games close. And the Astros had enough confidence in Verlander that once he gets this figured out, I mean, he could have been taken out in the second inning if he'd, st- if he'd started out the way he did in the first. He'd been out right now. But he figured it out, and he was Verlander. And so they didn't have to. But with a young guy, they, they can't do that. They can't, they can't figure that he's going to – they can't think that he's going to automatically figure it out. And that's why they got short hooks with guys like Arkady. But I, I still think I agree with uh, – I agree with you that uh, he really should be essentially their designated number four uh, because he's pitched well enough to be and, and there's nobody else. And you need to – like at some point, how about preparing a guy and saying, hey, in a couple of days so you can start mentally focusing on – you know, it's better than like, oh, okay, we're going to decide after game three who's the, you know, the Astros need to, I feel like it, it's name the guy, go with it. And say, so these guys can kind of prepare in their heads where they're going to be at a certain day. When you, when you do that, if, if, if you were the Astros, Greg? Well, there's a good, there's a good point for that because I don't know whether he's been sitting in the bullpen. He may be, but if, if he's been sitting in the bullpen, they, they can't really see the game. Now they have those TV monitors at home back kind of in the back. You see them sometimes watching, but uh, they're not big screens and they're not, uh, I don't know how much they can really see. Uh, but yes, he needs to, uh, if he's going to be a number four starter, or he's going to be a starter, he needs to be on the bench where he can actually see what's going on. He probably was not on the bench because he would have been their long man, I think, if they'd needed him. So he probably, you'll see some of those guys like Rondon, he'll be on the bench at the beginning of the game because he's not going to pitch before a certain inning. And then he'll go out to the bullpen later. But uh, you, uh, and of course the closers, I don't think ever bother sitting on the bench. But the uh, uh, you can't really see the game uh, out there. And so if you're going to be preparing for a start, that's not a place to be. Yeah, I'd have to say that's probably true, that you want to give them some notice. But also at the same time, you know, especially when things can change from game to game. And also, you might give him too much time to think about it. And sometimes you can overthink things, especially with a rookie who doesn't have that kind of experience, never pitched in a World Series game. So I think it needs something to be said for both counts. I mean, physically as much as mentally, though. I mean, just physically, certainly it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you're a starter, you know, if you're going into that in a couple of days, you're, you know, you're maybe working a couple of days earlier to kind of get your throws in or something like that and, and not worrying about being in the bullpen in game two or you're three. Not gonna be in, you're not going to be in a game until you start. And that's that that's a, it's a different prep situation. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, a, a couple of questions, guys, like going into the, I just wanted to bring this up here, going into the world series, you can readjust the rosters again. Any changes you would make? Did you like the Astros 13 and 12? They kept 13 pitcher or excuse me, 13 position players, 12 pitchers in the last, in the AL, uh, CS, do you like that? Would you maybe bring back Wade Miley? I know people are already turning it off, screaming <laughs> in horror. It's Halloween. It's a scare. It's a fright. Okay, it's trick or treat. But uh, would you would you bring a left hander on the roster into in, nope. in the postseason? Nope. Here? Would you add somebody different off the bench, knowing you're going to be going into National League parks? I would bring in Frank DePino as a lefty because it's his birthday <laughs> for Game One of the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> so for his birthday, he's you know he's going to be. Uh, I think he's born in '56, so he's going to be 63 years old. Let's bring Frank DePino back. He, he's the lefty. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind having one, and I. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and the factor is really, as you said, it was two factors. We're not going to be playing this pitcher, 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 changing, changing thing. But that also means that the pitchers may be coming to the plate in those three games in Washington uh, a bit more, and uh, at period. And so you might want to make sure you've got an extra player uh, for pinch running or pinch hitting and uh, or being just having a spare. I, I think uh, they might consider Miles Straw as an extra body because he can he's versatile because he can play the outfield or the infield. 
and he's, he's certainly a pinch runner, and he isn't a bad hitter. Only two sixty something, I think, is what he finally hit. He didn't have any power, but he he did hit. He did get some base hits. And I think uh, I don't think you can rule out Miley being on that roster. Probably just as a bullpen one guy, left-hander to face type guy. But I don't know whether they would do it. Remember Abreu was everybody said, oh, put him on the roster. He wasn't all that effective against the Yankees. He's still a young pitcher. Is that somebody that you want to have as that arm with his electric stuff, possibly in the World Series? Or just, you know, substituting somebody else there. You're, you're still a little bit maybe concerned about Ryan Presley, even if he says he's OK to go. I mean, there there's some decisions to be made here. And like what you were saying, Greg, and maybe uh, Stephen Robbie, you might want to chime in on this. Do you do you keep somebody like like uh, Kyle Tucker as that left handed power bat off the bench? Or do you have somebody who can make more contact, be that pinch runner come in? Because, you know, uh, Aletimus Diaz, Jake Marisnik, they're going to be part of that. Well, can, bench. can I can I just say that Kyle Tucker, uh, I never got a chance to say this, but I'm actually considering him instead of Jordan Alvarez at DH, to be honest with you. I mean, at, at least against righties. Well, that would be an interesting uh, move. I mean, he didn't do anything to distinguish himself, but obviously Alvarez did more to disinstinguish himself. So uh, that would be a change of pace. But that's we're assuming he's still there. We were actually adding people. We were not uh, cutting people necessarily. That's assuming that uh, he's still there. We were thinking of maybe rearranging the pitching staff uh, and adding one. I would drop one pitcher and I would add um, – I think I would add the speed I, because, again, the National League park, the National League game tends to use more players. Uh, I remember the old story Mike Lamb told me, the old former Astro, you know, he played in both leagues. And I asked him, I said, you know, what do you prefer? He says, I said, in the American League, you got nine hitters. He says, yeah, you got nine hitters, but if you're a bench guy, that doesn't mean much. If you're a bench guy in the American League, that's what you are. You don't, you're on the bench. Because the nine starters start and play the whole game, he says. The American League, we we do pinch hitting, we do uh, you know we do double switching with pitchers, we do uh, all sorts of stuff. And if you're a a, a backup guy in the uh, uh, National League, you play a lot more. My point is now you're going to go play National League baseball, and this is a very thin bench because it's so top heavy with pitchers. Uh, I would not be averse to having one more position player, and maybe. Alvarez, maybe he's gone, uh, and then maybe that's where you put Miley. They they didn't use Kyle Tucker a lot in the ALCS, but you know if you do need a pinch runner, I mean, not only does he have yeah, speed, he's got speed too. Yeah, he's got speed, but too. it's smart. Right. He's smart. He's a smart base runner too. But do you think you'd go he to can't a- play? He can't play shortstop in a pinch or second base in a is, pinch. It, it, or, it, I'm know, sorry. And, is something going to happen with uh, Correa that you're not telling me about, Greg? Because now you got me worried. <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to have a back. I don't think his back injury is coming back. But I'm just saying the versatility. But I'm, I'm not taking him off. Actually, my my plan isn't to take him off. My my plan is to possibly take Alvarez off. Okay, that that adds one fielding one I don't fielding think position. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't yeah, see that. Well, I just don't know where they. I, I just don't think. I don't see where they have the confidence to use Alvarez unless it's a blowout. I think a veteran. If you if you did put Miley on, that's not changing the roster. That's that's still we got one too many. But if you t- put him on in place of Alvarez, you are putting a veteran on, uh, and you're taking off a guy that you probably are going to be afraid to use anywhere. Now, maybe afraid to use Miley, but at least you have a guy that's been through the wars before. And uh, so I, uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, they're going to have to make that call. But I do think uh, one less pitcher is more likely than anything. Well, then and that would we, go back to the fourteen eleven roster construction, which they didn't use in the last World Series. They've used that in the ADL, ALDS uh, when they've had you know only five game series, best three out of five. So you're not going to be using potentially as many pitchers. But in a World Series where you're going seven games. Generally speaking, they like the 13-12, and they've also done that in all their ALCS. So if you're dropping a pitcher to add a position player, that would just be unusual. Not uncalled for from what you said because of Alvarez's struggles, the fact that you want to have maybe that extra speed and versatility with somebody like Straw. But in that case, then maybe you need – Again, like uh, what guys do you take off the pitching staff? Do you, do you keep a Rondon on? Do you keep a, a, a Brayu on? See, that, those are the kind of things you do. You bring in a, a Wade Miley. Well, I, I, vet, veterans, veterans are always on for me in, in pressure games. Rondon is a no-brainer. He's there. He's been there. He's been there. He's, he's no-brainer. He throws hard enough, and he's been there. I, and the combination of him and James filling basically the same role, I'm happy with. Because it's in both cases, it's a question of command. If they come in on a given day 
and don't have their command, neither one of them are going to be any good. But if they come in on a day when they've got their command, neither one of them are going to get hit. The Miley thing is the puzzle because he was so effective for so much of the year, and then he totally went south. And the problem is he went south when he first came in. It'd be one thing if he went south in the fourth inning. But if he's if he, he went south when he first came in, which makes him questionable to be used for anything, uh, even the bullpen, because if it's when he first comes in, that's what bullpen guys do. So I'm really on the fence with him, only because it would be nice to have a left-hander, but he's not a left-hander that throws hard, so he's not a guy that's going to necessarily dominate uh, left-handed hitters. And he's a veteran. But he was just so gosh darn awful at the end of the year. Uh, I, I just I'd be scared to do it. Yeah, I, I I don't even know why we're talking about him to be honest with you guys because he's he's been awful. The other guys have all pretty much performed. Abreu hadn't been out there, but you know, except for the one well, time. Abreu, 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 and Miles, and uh, and they're a wash. I mean, if you're going to add somebody, you're not adding Miley. You're adding somebody like Davinsky who actually you know, has had some career success against lefties and had some career success later in the season. You're, you're not adding Wade Miley, okay? You're not. No, I, I, I actually, I'd forgotten about Davinsky. I, yeah, you're right. I, I, no, I think Abreu is the most vulnerable simply because he's, he's a rookie. He's young. He's, and what are you going to use him? When are you going to use him? You're not going to use him in a key situation. And uh, you've got other guys that throw hard. You're going to use him in a blowout. But I think they might, Miley might be the same case. You might use him in a blowout, a blowout loss. You know, this is a seven-game series. You might have some games, I mean, I hate to say it, where you're down like 9-2 to two, and you just need somebody out there to eat up innings and so that you save your pen for the next day in your arms. And, and that's where, I mean, I hate to, that's where your, your Wade Miley might be on the roster. And if he... If you have like some situation in a game, and now people again are are, are covering their eyes and their their ears with this, but you know there might be a situation for a left-handed matchup where Wade Miley has good career statistics because he pitched in the National League uh, previously against certain players and certain left-handed hitters that they might bring him back onto the roster. Which Wade Not Miley pitched against them? I'm, I'm going to move on from this because I I, I think. You know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this. They probably they're, they might already know the roster by that by this point. But there, yeah, by there's, then, there's right. no way Wade Miley's going to be on this roster. I'm just going to set, tell you that right now. I'll, I'll give you the answer: none, zero. He's not going to, coming back. I hope you're right for all the people that are listening to this later after the decision has been made, or you're going to sound a little silly. Yeah, okay. well, I always sound silly, so that's that, I'm used to that. <laughs> Uh, hey, but it's fun. This is the fun part about it. It's guessing rosters. It's figuring what, who the Astros might add or drop because of matchups and just, you know, career statistics against certain players. You know, so, I mean, it's just that's the fun part about this. It's, I'll come wash your car, Greg, if, if Wade Miley's on the <laughs> roster. How about that? <laughs> All right. There you go. It's like making predictions at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's fun to do, but nobody knows anything about anything until the season's over. Right. A couple of matchups. I just wanted to throw these in. It's worth noting because there's not a bunch of experience by most of the Astros players against Scherzer and Strasburg, but a couple of numbers worth noting. Brantley in 44 at-bats. He, he's had the most action against these guys. Against uh, Scherzer, 1,000 OPS. So that's interesting. Keep that in mind. Reddick is 5 for 11 against Scherzer. Bregman is 2 for 3 against Strasburg, and Altuve is 2 for 5 against Strasburg. So They've faced him. They've hit him a little bit in, in a small sample size. When we get to Annabelle Sanchez, keep in mind that Chirinos, Chirinos is four for seven against Annabelle Sanchez. And you guys talked at the beginning about this great, you know, starters from both sides going against each other. We haven't seen this probably in 18, 20 years. You got to go back to maybe the early 2000s. And there's the, the Yankees Diamondbacks with Randy Johnson and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling all in that matchup. But between the, the two teams, there are 29, and these pitching staffs, just these pitching staffs, 29 All-Star games, an MVP, five Cy Youngs, uh, with the six coming pretty soon, we know, and five ERA titles. And, and let me just throw this out there for um, all you 2012 Tiger fans that are have your heads down in shame. It, it's really got to suck if you're a Tiger fan watching this, Greg, because, uh, yeah, they had Scherzer. They had Verlander and they had Annabelle Sanchez all in the same. They could have this stuff right now. <laughs> Didn't they have Price too? Huh? Yeah, price on there? they did. Yeah. That's the thing about baseball. You're exactly right. But, but everybody comes, some of those guys weren't there yet, you know, 
And uh, some guys were at their middle or their peak. Some guys were not as good as they are now. And, and so it's uh, timing on everything and timing on hitting and, and everything. And, and But timing on careers makes a difference with a lot of these guys too. So, uh, yeah, but the Tigers with that staff should have certainly done better than they even did. And they weren't, they were a good team. Maybe with a matchup too against Garrett Cole and the Nationals hitters. Remember when Garrett Cole was in the American League, he was a, di- I mean, excuse me, the National League with the Pirates, he was a different type of pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. he had the two-seam fastball. It was more like, you know, the sinker. Uh, you just try, he was trying to get more ground balls not as much on strikeouts comes to the Astros of course transforms his career four seam fastball you know slider be, being able to just it's just a much different patch, pitching pitcher he's much different pitcher than he was previously than he was in the National League so if you go back and look at those numbers take that into account and then he's almost been virtually unhittable uh this this year and in the postseason he's been extraordinary so uh, that that's one thing to keep in mind. But yeah, like uh, it's going to be exciting just to see these pitching matchups in the World Series. The thing that impresses me the absolute most about Garrett Cole is he doesn't lose it the farther he pitches, the longer he pitches in a game. He's going to throw 99 to 100 miles. If he pitches a complete game, he's going to be 99 to 100 miles an hour on a few pitches in that ninth inning. He is uh, a, a, he's a throwback. He really is. Uh, he, he works very hard. He'll throw a lot of pitches, especially if he's throwing that high fastball that all they can do is foul it. But uh, he's he's just been a wonder to watch this year, and uh, and uh, I think we're all happy to have seen him, even if it turns out this may be the end of his Houston career. The fact is, it may well end with another World Championship, and I think that would certainly be worth it, even if he's gone next year. Game one of the World Series, uh, guys, is the 14th anniversary of the Astros' first ever World Series game against the White Sox back in 2005. Just a quick trivia question for you guys. Does anybody remember who had the two home runs for the White Sox in game one of the 2005 World Series? I do, unfortunately. Wasn't it Scott Pesednik? No, no, that's incorrect. He had a home run. He's only one of the entire year. Uh, Didn't hit one in the regular season. Uh, no, it was uh, uh, a die. Yeah, you got it. That's one of them. And the other guy was uh, nobody. You guys aren't going to get this one. It's Joe Creedy. Oh, <laughs> Joe yeah, Creedy. I, I remember Joe, Joe Creedy. Creedy. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. We all remember those Joe Creedy. Actually, Plum's when you run. stop and think about when you stop and think about it, those were two of the weakest World Series teams in a number of years. Uh, the Astros had some decent pitching, but the hitting was very bad. You know, good, you know Bagwell was done. Uh, the uh, the year before, <laughs> uh, Jeff Kent left after 2004. Uh, Beltron was gone, and yet the 2005 team actually went to the World Series. And though they were swept, it was the closest margin runs uh, run totals of any sweep you've ever seen. There was only uh, White Sox only outscored them by six six runs, and they won four games. They only outscored them by six. Uh, so it was a very close, uh, but one of those series, and I was at all the games, and boy, the games in Chicago were miserable. The weather was awful, which we hope, well, hope Washington isn't, but you never know. Uh, but uh, they they just couldn't hit. That team just could not hit. And then guys like Pesednik Homer, Jeff Blum Homers, and, uh, of course, Die had a – I think Die had – he may have had two in the series. I'm not sure, but he had, I know he had one. And then uh, Creedy. Yeah, they had uh, just enough to lose in four straight. October 22nd, the date of the game one of the, this World Series. And that World Series is also uh, Gerald Young's birthday. So happy birthday to the G-Man. Let me get you guys predictions now. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I could see the Astros winning in six, but kind of like the Yankees series, it, it'll probably feel closer if they win it in six. It'll probably feel like they won it in seven, but I'm taking the Astros in six. I'll say six, too. I'll give Washington's pitching staff the ability to keep the Astros in check at least a couple times. I think we're all kind of in agreement here. You know, I mean, the Astros in six, uh, you have to respect Washington. They're a great team, but... I remember watching them in that against the Dodgers in that series and, and taking away the one wild card game or when they dominated the Cardinals. I mean, in that series against the Dodgers, I mean, Dave Roberts with his managerial moves when he left Kershaw in and then Joe Kelly and stuff. I just think that we haven't even talked about the managers here, but hopefully, you know, A.J. Hinge knows his team well and, and won't make those same type of blunders. And I just think over the course of a seven game series, as great as Washington's starting pitching is and you know the Astros can 
pretty much match that. I just think with the bullpen advantage and with the lineup advantage, you have to go Astros. So I'd say Astros in six. Nobody's suckering me to pick the Astros in a World Series. You can't do it. I, I'm not going for that. Uh, the people out there listening know you, you don't go. You don't pick the Astros. You pick the other team. You know, it's, it's the way you do it. So I'm, I'm going to say the Nationals in seven. Uh, that would be depressing because that would be on this field. I, uh, I actually want six only because uh, or seven only because I want the fans in Houston to be able to be there when it happens. It didn't happen yes. in L.A. I want I want them to be there when it happens. So I want six because I want it for the fans and I want it with a little bit to spare just in case. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kind of like the Yankees series, just in case something to spare. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute, Robert. Didn't you pick the Astros to beat the Yankees? I thought I remembered you saying that on the preview show before the ALCS. I, I'm almost sure we were all in agreement on that. So Yeah, I, I, yeah, but, you know, this is the World Series. The, the, the stakes have upped a little bit. I, I feel like oh, okay. maybe I was, right. maybe, just checking. Maybe just I was checking. playing with the gods a just little bit. Just don't be the I told you so guy if that nightmare. That's right. That's right. Well, most of the nation will be pulling for the Nationals, as we know, because they are, you know, their story and their history and all that stuff. And the Astros are now among these elite teams that uh, you want to knock off. But uh, uh, I still think they'll be able to overcome that and take it. I got one last bit bit of things, and then I'll let you guys have a last word or or say or say uh, goodbye. But um, th- this is kind of an interesting little note for you guys. The, the last time an MLB Washington, D.C.-based franchise was in the World Series was 1933. Uh, Greg, you, you know who I'm talking about, right? That You're familiar with the entire 1933 Senators lineup? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was right. I was studying them last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, they lost to the New York Giants in five games, and the Giants were led by pitcher Carl Hubber, who, Hubble, who had the best season of his Hall of Fame career. Hubble's catcher in that World Series was Galveston's own Gus Mancuso. And I bring that up because two of Gus Mancuso's great nephews have been guests on the podcast. Gus is the great uncle of Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani and the Athletic Rockets beat writer Ali Bajani. So how about that wow. one for a little trivia? <laughs> I know, Sean, I did not know that uh, Gus, I'm, I, if he's ever mentioned that to me, I, I guess I didn't know that. But yeah, he... Uh, that's a uh, that's a good one. Of course, then his uh, the other man Cuso was a Frank a city councilman here for a long time. So Frank, yeah, he played baseball too. He was a major leaguer as well, and and, and it was uh, yes, he pl- did playing the playoffs. Right. Well, that's a long time. That's why that's one of the reasons they're going to be they're going to be uh, national favorites. Yeah, the the other thing that's happened a lot recently in the last ten years, you know, just uh, I mean, I'm pointing this out as kind of point of fact. You know, we've had a lot of first timers or franchises that haven't. One in a long time, and Washington hasn't, you know, won a World Series in obviously uh, a zillion years. It just like the Astros, just like the Cubs, uh, the Royals felt like a long time for them, but it had been, yeah, it had been about thirty years. Well, then they're the Indians and the Dodgers. So let's end on a positive note for Houston people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna let you. You can finish it off, RG. I'm gonna let you. Do you want to do, sing "Go Go Astros" or do you want to sing uh, uh, the burning? What was it called? Uh, Astros uh, breathing orange fire, burning with desire. What's the old one from the eighties? Which which Astro which Astros fight song do you want to close out with? <laughs> you don't have the uh, BMI licensing rights for music on this show, so he can't. That that's your excuse. You can't sing. <laughs> that's right. Well, but but, but Robbie's go. good at singing. He's been singing on the show a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> me and Stephen are uh, we're, we're we have. Uh, T- taking karaoke to a whole new level on the show recently but hey yeah for hey, sure. hey thanks a lot guys i really appreciate it and uh i can't wait till tomorrow night none of us can thank you thank you you're listening to houston sports talk don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes spotify the google podcast app or the stitcher app you can support us by giving us a five-star review on itunes or by telling your friends about us Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.